The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast contains mature content and listener discretion is advised. Also, be advised, we are not medical professionals and this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. It is a true emergency. Quick, run. We love aliens. And we're in. We're in. Welcome to Mystery Team Inc. The podcast. We did it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Maggie. And I'm Kayla. Do you have any business today? You know what? I have no business and I'm ready to dive in and I'm very excited because I feel like I get to be in my favorite class. I'm also very excited. And wait, I have one piece of business, which is we never talked about the fact that Robert Durst was quietly indicted with Kathy's murder. (gasps) I know. So that's something that happened. Um, I'm sure everyone's aware that he was convicted of the murder of Susan Berman and the state quietly filed charges to indict him for the murder of Kathy, who up until now was considered a missing person because they never recovered any evidence of her murder. Um, But that's super interesting. So we shall see how that unfolds. Yeah, I'm curious why they did it so quietly, but... I don't know. I guess we'll find out. We will. Today, we are discussing America's oldest cold case, The Lost Colony of Roanoke. (gasps) Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I knew you were going to have that reaction. I'm so excited. I've been waiting for you to do this one for so long. Oh, my God. Do you know that, like, once a week when I'm looking up mysteries for TikTok, I'm like, oh, God, when the fuck is Maggie Roanoke? <laughs> I'm so excited. The day has finally arrived. This is my favorite day. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so the excited. The sun is shining, the tank is clean. Oh my god, the tank's clean. <laughs> Today's the day. Um, oh my god, I'm so excited. Yeah, I also printed it out like an old grandma. So, oh my god. and I'm like cuddled up in my blanket and I'm ready to go. Um, oh my I feel god, like do a- you need MapQuest to get to work on Monday? What is this? <laughs> I feel like a history teacher. <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay, I'm just going to put these, um, what is it called? Those like laminates uh, when you put oh them my up God, on the yes. projector that's like see-through and you write on it with like at-a-glance pens. What are those called? Okay, those are called... Transparencies. Transparencies. They use those like wet wipe pens where yes. you had to like spray it with alcohol. They're, called, they would... they're called wet erase. Wet erase. <laughs> as opposed to dry erase. And um, God, I loved that. And they would photocopy a page out of a history book onto a transparency and then project it. Oh, my God. My favorite was when 
they did that with the math book and you got to like go up and do yeah. math with the wet erase pen on the transparency. Yeah. <sighs> well, today is that day. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't even believe you have a working printer in this, the year of our Lord, 2021. <laughs> it's because you and I purposefully bought business printers, remember? Oh, right. I have a working printer. Okay. Should I? I'm so ready. Yeah, yes. Great. Please. I can't believe you've made me wait this long. <laughs> um, so before we start the episode, I do have to give a warning, which is that this whole story is about colonialism. And no, we should probably acknowledge that many of us, myself included, are settlers on the land we live on. And like in this episode, we're probably going to make a lot of jokes about the colonists, but like... It's important to acknowledge that colonialism is an ongoing process. Like, it's not just a thing that happened a long time ago. It's still a problem. So I just wanted to say that at the top um, so that everyone knows that we recognize the complexity of the issue. And also, November is Native American Heritage Month. So... Um, I will link some education resources in the show notes. I think the important thing is to lift up indigenous voices. And my understanding is that it's best to work with local organizations specific to your area. So uh, I encourage everyone to do research, support the efforts of indigenous groups in your area, donate your time, donate your money, um, support indigenous grassroots change movements and campaigns. And also, because we are true crime, I feel that it's important to mention uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two spirits. And we will link resources to help that cause in the show notes as well. And I think without further ado, this is the story of the lost colony of Roanoke. Yeah! I have a quick question. Yeah. Is it still called Native American History Month? It is called that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought that was weird, too. Um, It's called Native American Heritage Month. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Roanoke was a twice-failed attempt by Sir Walter Raleigh to establish the first permanent English settlement in North America. Oh, Walt, twice. (laughs) Well, we'll get get to that. (laughs) Oh, God. Um... In 1524, Giovanni Dara. Oh my God! Wait, before I even get into this, let me say, I will be pronouncing so many names in this episode: indigenous, indigenous names, Italian names, English names, and I will probably get them all wrong. I did look them up, um, and I I wrote them out phonetically. So I'm trying my best, and if I mispronounce something, it's not out of a lack of respect or even a lack of effort. It's just because I'm trying my best. Okay. This is the curse of Mystery Team Inc. is that we are, we're such Hermione's, and we try so hard. It's true. So we're really, you know, we're Sorry probably going to be wrong, but we're trying. And I'm okay with being wrong as yeah. long as I'm not offending anyone, so that's I just, yeah, I'm going to start with this Italian name. In 1524, and I'm Italian, by the way, Giovanni de Verrazzano showed up on the outer banks of what is now North Carolina and mistook Pamlico Sound, which is a big lagoon, for the Pacific Ocean. Oh, 
great great work so right from like right off the bat off to a good start this motherfucker landed on islands on the east coast saw the water on the other side and was like i did it i found a shortcut to china he went back to europe he told king francis the first of france and king henry the eighth of england and neither of them cared good (laughs) here's my question do they like land on this island and then they see the strip of water and they see the land on the other side and they go yep that's gotta be china and then they like don't go there I, I don't know. I don't know if you I don't know if he could see the land on the other side or not. I'm not I've never been to this part of the world, actually. And so I don't really know what it looks like. OK, but I, I think just, that's an interesting point that you make that they abs- did no follow up research whatsoever. Yeah. OK, great. In 1578, Queen Elizabeth made a charter for Sir Humphrey Bogart. Just kidding. It, she made a charter <laughs> for Sir Humphrey Gilbert. <laughs> That base- I was going to take it. <laughs> you were, like, ready to accept that. I was like, you know what? I'll, at this point, anything goes. Yeah, true. Um, it basically said, like, go colonize North America. <laughs> and just important to reiterate, had no authority to do that. Um, mm-hmm. When Sir Humphrey Gilbert died, Elizabeth divided his charter between his brother, Adrian Gilbert, and his half-brother, Sir Walter Raleigh. You may remember Sir Walter Raleigh from such failed expeditions as the colony at Roanoke. Um, Adrian's charter essentially gave Sir Walter Raleigh. um, No, sorry. Adrian's charter gave Adrian Newfoundland and everything north of there because they thought there was going to be a passage to Asia through there. So they were like, this is hot property. Um. And then Raleigh got everything south of Newfoundland. Uh, But most of it was already being colonized by Spain. Again, under no authority. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Let's see. Raleigh's charter, which was issued in 1584, specified that he needed to establish a colony by 1591 or he lost all of his rights to colonization. I know. Like, (laughs) what a sneaky fine print move. Um, and it was expect like it was expected that he was going to establish a privateering base to send English privateers on raids against treasure fleets belonging to the Spanish army. For those of you who didn't listen to the Blackbeard episode, a privateer is a government-backed pirate. It's a pirate with a 1099 from the government that says, "I'm the queen. I say you can pirate Spanish boats, and then you go do that." Um, okay. I cannot emphasize enough that literally the reason they established the first colony in the, like the English established their first colony in the quote unquote new world was specifically to pirate. God, you know, which is like just not what they teach you in school. Like you don't learn that. (laughs) No, at all. And I'm not surprised. And I'm, I'm not even surprised enough to be like disappointed. No. Because it's like, of course you fucking did. Yeah. Okay. But, so yeah, Raleigh was expected to go set up a privateering base. Also important to note that at this time, tensions were high between Spain and England. And Raleigh was supposed to go set up a privateering base, but Raleigh wasn't allowed to leave Queen Elizabeth's side. I swear to God, this story sounds like when a three-year-old tells you a story and it's like, 
the queen gave him America so that he could be a pirate, but he wasn't allowed to leave. And so, um, so he basically delegated all the exploring. Wait, why wasn't he allowed to leave? It was just like part of his role was like he had to stay with Queen Elizabeth. This is so dumb. I know. Um, so he delegated all of his exploring and in 1584, he sent an expedition to explore the area that had been given to him under no authority. Um, and the expedition first stopped in the Caribbean for supplies. And then it sa- they sailed north until they found what is now known as Cape Fear and landed at an inlet north of Hatterask Island, um, which is where they first interacted with the Sakotan people who controlled Roanoke Island and the mainland between Albemarle Sound and the Pamlico River. And was that so fun for everyone? It was so fun for everyone. <laughs> um, the Sakotan people were super friendly to them and not to like dehumanize them by making them saints, but like the English actually wrote like in their records like they are the nicest people we've ever met basically i don't remember exactly how it was phrased but it was like they don't have a drop of greed in their blood like they're just they just like are nice people and so obviously things went south from there um because the english fucked it up so two native men went back to england with the first group um their names were and i this is how they pronounce it in the documentaries. Wanchis, who was from Roanoke, and Montio, who was uh, who was Croatan. The level of disdain with which you said, this is how they pronounce it in the documentary. <laughs> well, just because I am scared that it's wrong, but I can't find any like more reliable pronunciation. Yeah. There were two indigenous men who went back to England They stayed at Sir Walter Raleigh's mansion in London. They were learning English. They were teaching Algonquin to um, a scientist named Thomas Harriet, who will come in later. And within six months, they had learned enough to interpret both languages. No. Yes. I love them. Crush, crush, crush. Yes. And they created an orthography of the Algonquin language and translated it in, translated it into English. Raleigh planned to build a settlement that was essentially a large military operation from which to privateer and pirate. And the goal was to explore and evaluate the nat- natural resources in the area. About 600 men went on that mission and half were supposed to stay in the colony and then there would be another wave coming to join them later. Most of the settlers went because they expected to find silver and gold and make a lot of money. Enter Ralph Lane, who was appointed governor of the colony, and Sir Walter Raleigh's cousin, Sir Richard Grenville, who was the fleet commander who led the mission. On April 9th, 1585, Ralph set sail with Richie G and their fleet of ships and that group (laughs) Richie G and that group included Wanches and Montio um, a metallurgist named Joaquim Gons the scientist Thomas Harriet and an artist named John White who will also become very important to the story Um, we really have a three hour tour here it feels very the millionaire and his wife, the professor and Marianne here on Gilligan's Isle. Yeah. Um, 
The fleet was comprised of the Tiger, which was Richard Grenville's ship, the Roebuck, the Red Lion, the Elizabeth, and the Dorothy. Um, shit was rough on the Tiger immediately because Ralph found Richard to be, quote, a person of intolerable pride and insatiable ambition. Ugh. During a severe storm off the coast of Portugal, the Tiger got separated from the rest of the fleet. They landed in Puerto Rico on May 11th, and while they were waiting for the rest of the fleet to meet them, Grenville started, quote-unquote, making relationships with the Spanish, um, privateered a bunch of their ships, and uh, built a small fortress. Oh, no. (laughs) The Elizabeth caught up to them, but Richie G was, like, tired of waiting on the other ships, so he was like, we're just going to peace out. And he abandoned the fort, the location of which is now unknown. Um, when the tiger was sailing up the coast, they ran it aground on a sandbank and ruined most of their food supply. That was on June 26th. Why are they so bad at this? Dude, for real. They fixed their ship and they met up with the Roebuck and the Dorothy, who, by the way, had now beaten them there because they ran their boat aground. Um... The Red Lion had been with them, but they were, like, dropped off their passengers, and they were like, peace out, we're going privateering. <laughs> Just left. <laughs> Once again, I feel like they were not all on the same page here. No, not at all. It kind of reminds me of, like, in college when you, like, don't have friends yet, so you go out with, like, a group of girls that you don't really know, <laughs> and, like, very quickly it becomes apparent that, like, you're not on the same page. <laughs> but you're, like, in the dorm, so you're, like... And they're like pre-gaming and you're like, oh yeah, this oh is fun. God. And like as soon as you leave, one of them like is like, let's stop and get Patrick. And the other one's like, let's shoulder tap 40s. And you're like, who they're like, let's go. Wait, we have to wait for Nick. And you're like, who the fuck is Nick? <laughs> who is Nick? You guys, we have to go get Nick. Wait. Wait. Did Emily. You, Emily, did you text Emily. him? Emily, don't did you text, text him. Nick? Don't. <laughs> Emily, don't text Nick. <laughs> but these are all boys they met last year at like <laughs> admitted students weekend. Yes, exactly. Oh my God. It's like bringing back traumatic memories. Okay. I know. During this time, they visited some local indigenous villages and ex- quote unquote explored the coast. And John White, the artist, created what is known as one of the most accurate and detailed maps of the 16th century. It's called La Virginia Pars. Um, I will post a photo of it. I forgot to post my photo of me in my Sleepy Hollow hat, so I also have to do that. But mm-hmm. this map is and important. I think there it's was gonna... also a request for the ghost shirt, so maybe we'll just have to do a little. Oh, we should. Yeah, yeah, like a friendship haul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but this map is important. It's going to come into play later, and if you look at it, it is it is pretty cool. Then. A silver cup belonging to the English went missing. And Richard Grunville set in motion a domino effect that would completely change the course of history when he accused an Aquascogoc person of stealing it. And they were like, we don't know what you're talking about. And in retaliation, Richard had his group burn and loot their village. For Over a, cup? a fucking cup. Like, this guy's fucking psycho. Oh, my God. But that makes you wonder, like, do we think he was just waiting? Yeah. And I also think it's, like, strongman tactics. Like, they, like, didn't want to yeah. be seen as weak. So they were like, we will 
burn this village to the ground. Yeah, I'm wondering if they were just like waiting for an opportunity to be cruel and I think so. Yeah, genocidal. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, ah, a cup. That's enough. Because <laughs> yeah. no one who wasn't always going to burn a village burns a village. Do you know what I mean? That is absolutely correct. When people tell you who they are, believe them. Yes. <laughs> like, it's not because you stole a cup. Like, that guy was always going to burn a village. Yeah. That was one of the most well-said things I've ever heard you say. Thank you. Put it on a shirt. Yeah, put it on a shirt. Um, Let's see. Ah, yes. The colonists landed. Where were we? Ah, yes, in the pit of despair. (laughs) The colonists landed on Roanoke Island on a day that I could not find on the internet. So if anyone knows what day it was, let me know. Um, They had lost most of their food when they ran the tiger aground. Um, So as a result, Grenville was like, we probably only 100 of us should stay here. Um... And by us, I mean you, because I'm not staying. Um, So Montio arranged a meeting for Richard Grenville and Ralph Lane with Granjanimio, who was the brother of, I've heard it pronounced, Wingina and Wingina, um, who was the principal leader of Roanoke. And he arranged this meeting for him and the English And in this meeting, both sides agreed that the island was a strong strategic location because it gave the colonists access to the ocean, and it would also be hard for Spanish patrols to detect them there because, don't forget, this was all about being pirates. Ralph and Richie G. had a falling out immediately, and Richie was like, I'm out. And he and John White and the rest of the gang went set sail for England. Ralph and 107 other settlers were left on Roanoke Island on August 17, 1585, to establish a colony. Okay, I have a question. Yes. How did they choose who stayed behind? Well, Ralph Lane had already been, like, assigned to be the governor, and Richie G. was, like, the fleet commander. So I think the plan was... I think originally more of them were going to stay there, but since they didn't have any food... Richie was like, I got to command this fleet back to England. Mm. So I'm going to leave the governor and these hundred guys. But how'd they pick the hundred guys? Probably drew straws. How'd they get the straws? Just they kidding. lost all their food. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know the answer. It's probably something dumb. Yeah. Just based on what I know about all these people. Yeah, exactly. They built a small fort. Richie G and co planned to return <laughs> to Roanoke in April of 1586 with more men and fresh su- supplies. So they were like, we'll be back in eight months. A few days For later. Before. Yeah. A three hour tour. A few days later on the way home, Grenville raided a large Spanish galleon in Bermuda, took the ship, which was the Santa Maria de San Vicente. Could I sound any more white? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm like, yeah, you just take, um, you just want to take uh, the Santa Maria down to San Vicente. And Here's the thing is that it's either that or you saying, like, I would love some guacamole at a Mexican <laughs> yeah. restaurant. And yeah. I would rather you just, like, embrace who you are, you know? Yeah, that's true. He took a ship, whose name I already said, and don't need to say it again, back to England. The treasure on board was enough to make the entire Roanoke expedition profitable. What did he have on there? It was a tre- it was a literally like a Spanish treasure galleon. Whoa. 
I should have looked up where it was coming from. Now I want to know. Um, but yeah, he just pirated a treasure galleon and took the whole ship back to England. And the treasure was enough to make the Roanoke expedition profitable, which was like great press for these assholes, right? And it encouraged Queen Elizabeth to continue to support the colonization efforts. Meanwhile, back at Roanoke, at some point, Wanchis went back to live with his family and basically was like, I'm over it. Bye. Um, we stand. Good for you. Meanwhile, yeah, love that for him. Meanwhile, Ralph and company uh, treated the indigenous people with what the internet calls, quote, suspicious harshness. Um, all the while, depending on them for food, because keep in mind, they had lost, ruined most of their food, their food supply when they ran the ship aground. Um, and so the indigenous people were feeding them. Wow. Wow. The colonists what spent dicks. the fall. What? They're just such dicks. I know. The colonists spent the fall receiving corn and food from nearby villages who, we've talked about this before, were basically agricultural engineers. Um, based on historical records, the colonists probably ran out of their own food around October. And then they spent the winter um, exploring the area, visiting different villages, going as far north as some of the Chesapeake villages, and learning about natural resources and spreading disease. Um, Truly according, a blessing for uh, all involved. Right. The smallpox epidemic that they started likely had a severe impact on the fall harvest at a time when the colonists would have been entirely dependent on the indigenous people for food um, that was being graciously supplied to them uh, while they wiped them out with disease. Now, here's a question. Did uh, they... Yeah, all similarities to actual persons living or dead is purely coincidental. <laughs> this is for entertainment purposes only. Did they, like, stick around in these places they were visiting long enough to see that they were spreading disease or did they just like come in and like cough all over everyone and leave i think they actually uh were aware that they were spreading disease but um don't forget that science had not advanced far enough at this point for them to recognize what was happening yeah okay um like i think even the english like just thought it was like bad superstition (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) yes I don't like it, but I know what you mean. Yeah. By the spring of 1586, the English had severely fucked up their relationship with the Sakotan people. Um, and then Granjanimio died, and he had been, like, their biggest advocate um, in within the Sakotan community. So with him gone, uh, Wingina or Wingina eventually turned against the English most likely because they were eating all their fucking food and had only brought them death and disease. Um, and so he took the name Pemi Sapan, which according to the internet means one who watches. And he established a new temporary capital on Roanoke Island. Um, the English apparently somehow did not recognize that this was a bad sign. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, they're nothing if not oblivious. Pemi Sapan wanted the tribes to like the local tribes to unite with him and get rid of the English. When Ralph Lane came to him with a plan to quote unquote, explore the mainland outside of Sakotan territory, Pemi Sapan was allegedly like, you should go. But also just so you know, 
the Choanoke leader, Manitonin, has been meeting with his allies to plan an attack on you, and there are going to be 3,000 warriors there, so you should go prepared. At the same time, he sent word to the Choanoke leader, Manitonin, that the English would be coming, and he was like, you should unite with us and fight the English. I looked around online. I couldn't figure out exactly like what that interaction was like. But apparently, when the English arrived, they found Manitonon meeting with representatives of the Choanoak, the Mongoak, Weapemioc, and Moratuk. And they caught him by surprise, and they took him captive. And he was like, dude... It was your friend, Pemi Sapan, who requested that we have this meeting. I think I'm not clear on what this meeting was. So Pemi Sapan told the English that they should go like ready for a fight, basically because he was trying to kind of manipulate everyone. So he wanted um, the Choanoke and the other tribes in the area to unite with him to fight the English. So in order to like encourage them to do that, Well, first he was like, you guys should unite with me. And then he told the English to go up there looking for a fight so that when the English showed up, that everyone would see that they were like hostile and they would be like, oh, "Oh, yeah, we should unite against them. Okay, I see. Clearly, I do not have a brain for military (laughs) tactics because I was like, I don't understand why he would do that. Yeah. (laughs) And then the English got there and they did take um, Manitonon captive um, and... They were like, our friend told us that you were amassing an army against us. And he was like, it was your fucking friend that told us to get together and have this meeting in the first place. Wow, what a little sneak. Yeah. Kind of brilliant. Yeah, Um, brilliant, but fucked up. Yeah. And so the leader of the Choanoke, Manitonon, was like, but listen, if you go over here, you'll find a bunch of valuable metal and if you go up here be careful of this guy like made himself valuable to the english by like giving them the the rundown so ralph was like dope thank you for that information and he planned this like complex strategy where they were going to break up into two groups and they were going to move north but he was like we're going to wait till we get our fresh supplies in april um which my friend richie g promised me because it was spring. So he was like, it's just like a couple weeks. And then Richie's going to show up with the resupply fleet. And then we'll go, like, conquer the new world, basically. Ralph was like, but in the meantime, I'm going to hold Manitone on for ransom. No, guys. And I'm going to send his son, oh Skiko, to Roanoke as a hostage. Oh, my God. So this then, is exhausting. I know. Just doing the fucking most all the time. Then Ralph and about 40 men moved northwest up the Roanoke River, um, but like to continue their expedition. But Pemisapan had already sent word to all the villages up there, and most of them had like taken their food and gone inland to wait it out because he was like, look out for the English. So when the English got up there, like they thought they were going to find more villages of people who were going to like give them food and whatever, and instead they just found empty villagers. And warriors who were, like, waiting to ambush them. In April, the English rolled back up to Roanoke, starving. And Pemisapan was like, whoa, you guys are still alive? Like, what the fuck? (laughs) I, like, sent you guys on a death mission. Um, And Ralph was like, yeah, we're back. Where's fucking Richie G? 
but Richie G's resupply fleet had not even left England yet. <gasps> Why? Because it was like the boat that they were going to take was like not back yet or something like <laughs> it was something stupid it was like when southwest's flights got all fucked up because it was like some flight didn't leave florida on time so like oh they had to cancel like God. 50 flights um let's see not long after that pemi sapan got word that um one of the other big tribal leaders in the area had pledged fealty to queen elizabeth and sir walter raleigh and was not going to take him up on his offer to unite against the English. And so, like, the tides were starting to turn. And um, Pemi Sapan's father, Ensenor, uh, was also, like, advocating for peace with the English. And so he was like, okay, we're going to help them out. We're going to sow some crops for them, and we're going to build some fishing weirs for them. And, like, we're going to ally with the English. But on April 20th, Ensenor died. And Wan Cheese had risen to become a senior advisor. Good for him. And he was like, listen, I went to England with these guys. They're a threat. Don't fucking trust them. So Pemi Sapan was like, fuck all this. He evacuated the Sakotan people from Roanoke. They destroyed the fishing weirs they had built. And he was like, everyone is forbidden to sell food to the English. Like, don't do it. Good. The English, yeah, good. The English had no real way to get food. Um, so they, like, sent small groups out to forage and basically beg for food. Meanwhile, they were still keeping Skiko hostage. Oh, God, I forgot he was held hostage. Correct. And Pemi Sapan was, like, still meeting with Skiko because he thought that Skiko was sympathetic to his cause. Pemi Sapan planned to organize a war council meeting on June 10th with various regional powers and the Sakotan had gotten um, a substantial amount of copper from trading with the English. And so he was basically offering like all this copper to other tribes to side with him to attack the English. And it was a convincing offer. Their plan was to ambush Ralph and the other leaders of Roanoke while they slept and then they were going to, like, signal for a general attack on the colony. Well, it turns out that Skiko was not sympathetic to Pemi Sapan's cause. And he told Ralph what they were planning. No. Yes. This is so high school. I know. It's also, like, I'm like, did George R. R. Martin write a book <laughs> of this, It's too? much more Game of Thrones than it is high school, Kayla. <laughs> God. Well, it it could it could go both ways. It could it could also go. Do not trust this fugly <laughs> slut or whatever. <laughs> Do not trust her. So Ralph sent word to the Sakotan, saying that the English fleet had arrived, which they had not. And he did it to like force Pemi Sapan to speed up his timeline, because he was like, oh shit, like. English reinforcements are here. Pemi Sapan gathered his war council on the night of May 31st. And on June 1st of 1586, Ralph and 25 of his men crossed over um, Croatan Sound to the village of Dasa Monkpok. And they sent a message to, with one of um, Pemi Sapan's men 
saying like, hey, we're on our way to Croatone and um, we stopped to talk to Pemi Sapon because we need to talk to him because one of your guys tried to break Skiko out, which is not true. They just like that was a lie that they told to get him to come out. And Pemi Sapon and uh, seven or eight of the war council and their followers came down to the shore to talk to the English. And Ralph Lane said their uh, signal, which was Christ our victory. And the colonists opened fire. Pemi Sapon was struck by a pistol ball, but he got up and ran into the woods. Um, He was killed by Thomas Harriet, the scientist. And... Edward Nugent. No. And they came back with his severed head. No. And they put it on a stake outside of <gasps> the fort at Roanoke. Oh my God. Fucked up. Jesus. I know. Once again, just like the most aggro fucking guys. Like clearly so. That it, I, it really is so unnecessarily aggro. That's disgusting. Ugh. And then. Sir Francis Drake showed up. Oh, good. Thank God he's here. And he was like, hey, what's up, you guys? I brought you some supplies from the pirating raids I've been doing. And they were like, thank God you're here. We may have girl bossed a bit too close to the sun. Um, <laughs> and Drake was like, whoa, huge bummer. Um, I'm going to leave you guys like four months of supplies and one of my ships, it's called the Francis. And they were like, thank you so much. But before he could even leave, a hurricane came. Oh no. Oh no. And it swept the Francis out to sea. No. And Ralph was like, you know what? We thought about it and we want to go back to England. Drake was like, okay. I mean, yeah. Like if you guys want, you can just come with me on my boat. So the colonists, Montio and his associate, Towei, got on Drake's ship and they went back to England and they left behind three colonists who were never heard from again. And that's not the mystery of Roanoke. That's just a thing that happened. Oh, my God. So Drake and Ralph. This is wild. I know. And it gets fucking wilder because that's not even the mystery. Um, Drake and Ralph Lane got back to England and they were like, hey, guys. This is tobacco, this is maize, and these are potatoes. It was the first time that anyone had introduced them to England. Um, You're going to love it. England, this is potatoes. Potatoes, this is England. Um, And they were like, what do we do with these? And they were like, boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. And um, a week later, a single supply ship showed up to Roanoke, and there was no one there, so they left. And then two weeks later, Richard Grenville's relief fleet finally arrived, (laughs) like several months late, with a year's worth of supplies and 400 men for reinforcements. So fucking dumb. Oh my God. It's a farce of genocidal proportions. Correct. It's okay. Episode title. And (laughs) it's literally like, you know, when we talk about like how friends couldn't be made today because you have cell phones. So like all of the misunderstandings like just wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. This is like 16th century version of that, which is like six months. It takes like six months or whatever to get from England to America. So like they just keep missing each other by like two weeks and they don't find out for like six months. Oh 
my god. Oh, and everyone just keeps showing up to like more and more chaos. Correct. And like, don't forget that Richie and Ralph like hate each other. So Richie shows up and <laughs> Ralph is gone. <laughs> and Richard, Richard conducted an extensive search and he interrogated the indigenous people there. And one of them was like, yeah, uh, there was a, uh, your guys shot our guys and they fucking ran away in a hurricane. And Richard was like, Ralph. Um, unbelievable I know so they were like fuck it they went back to England and they left behind 15 men um, to protect Sir Walter Raleigh's claim to Roanoke Island as soon as the fleet left the the small detachment of colonists was immediately attacked by an alliance of mainland tribes who just shot them with flaming arrows uh 13 of them survived and fled by boat, but were never seen again. Despite all of this, Walter Raleigh was convinced to try again by Thomas Harriet and John White. Why? Fucking fuck if I know, dude. Why do any of these guys do anything? And what so did they stand to gain at all at this point? Gold. Get it elsewhere. I know. Well, keep in mind that all of this is to set up a base to pirate from. I can't. So Raleigh approved a charter to found the city of Raleigh. And it's spelled (laughs) C-I-T-T-I-E. With John White as the governor this time. Yeah, that's going to change. That's going to be the difference. Technically it is, but not in the way that they wanted it to be. (laughs) So approximately 115 people agreed to join the colony. Um, this time there were men, women, and children, and that included John White's pregnant daughter, Eleanor, and her husband, Ananias Dare, which is his last name. The colonists were mostly, um, middle-class Londoners who were going there probably to become land-owning gentry and, like, move up in terms of class. Montio and Towe also came back. And they did not, nobody brought with them an organized military force this time. On July 22nd, they landed on Croatoan Island. They were actually bound for Chesapeake Bay, but apparently when they stopped at Roanoke, the navigator of the fleet, um, whose name was, I think, Simone Fernandez, told his crew just not to let them back on the boat. He was like, summer's almost over. Like, we're done here. I'm not taking you any further. You're staying here. So they just stayed there. Oh, my God. Looking for Grenville's detachment, those 15 guys that were left behind, they found the fort mostly dismantled, the homes overgrown by melons. There's no explanation of this on the internet. Oh, I have so many follow-up questions about the melons. Yep. What does that mean? I don't know. Overgrown by melons. Yes. The place was just taken over by melons. I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> and This is one of the few things I have decided I'm willing to accept at face value with no follow-up questions. Great. And uh, there was no evidence of the detachment except a few human bones. And that is where we will pick back up. No. After the break. No. <laughs> More melons after this. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And we're back. Welcome back to Soothing Existential Nighttime Radio. Tonight's weather, it's always sunny wherever you aren't. And later, this common household philosophy could be killing you. Okay, where were we? In a little town called... (laughs) (laughs) It could have happened anywhere. In Cairo, Belize, (laughs) or here in Los Angeles. But it didn't. It all happened here, on an island called Roanoke. When we last left our villains, um, the new colonists had come and they were looking for a small detachment left by Grenville. um, And what they found were melons and bones. And Oh, I forgot about the melons. (laughs) My, my, how quickly we forget. (laughs) And so John White, who was the governor, um, sent Montio and some of his guys to reestablish relations with the Croatan. And... They explained that a coalition of mainland tribes led by Wanches had attacked Grenville's detachment. Oh, Wanches has now become not only senior advisor, but he's like leading the charge against the English. Wow. And the colonists tried to negotiate a truce, but they received no response, which like is fair. And then uh, on August 9th, John White led a preemptive strike on Dasa Monk Punk and um, because they're just so fucking aggro. But everyone who was living there had already withdrawn from the village because they knew that the English were going to come looking for them after the other attack. And instead, the English accidentally attacked Croatoan people who were there basically like taking stuff that they had left behind. So the English attacked their friend by mistake. And they killed a few and wounded many. Montio somehow managed to fix this relationship. How? Um, I don't know what the details are, but he like somehow convinced the Croatan people to forgive them to some extent. And... So for his service, he was rewarded by being baptized and named Lord of Roanoke and Dasa Monkpunk. But the indigenous people who lived there were like, no, he's not. (laughs) (laughs) Though. Um, So obviously, like now tensions are just even higher because they've now like labeled Montio as the leader of a group of people that he's not the leader of what the fuck because the english love to do that embarrassing Um, it's truly it's embarrassing embarrassing yes on august 18th 1587 uh eleanor dare who was john white's daughter gave birth to a daughter she was named virginia in honor of being quote the first christian born in virginia 
Uh, records show that there was another birth shortly afterward, but nobody talks about the baby in the records. They only care about uh, Virginia because she was the first like English person born in America. It's so weird that they don't talk about the other baby. I know. So the colonists had decided that they wanted to relocate about 50 miles up the Albemarle Sound. And the colonists were like, John White, you have to go back to England and ask for help. They were like, shit is not good here. And we need you to go back because you're the guy and they love you. And like, you need to go get help for us. Basically, like get more investors to give us more supplies and send more people and help us out. And he was like, okay, fine. I guess I'll go. If you decide to relocate, please leave like some kind of secret token so that I know where you went. And if you leave under duress, leave a Christian cross symbol. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. Because don't forget that obviously now like they've fucked up their relationship with the indigenous people of the area. And also the whole time there is always a Spanish armada trying to like find them and kill them. I keep forgetting about the Spanish armada. I think the Spanish were a huge concern here. And I learned later and I don't know if I wrote this. Oh, I think I did. But like, the Spanish had intelligence that they were there somewhere, but they didn't know exactly where. Um, so he was like, okay, I know you want to relocate. If you go, like, leave a message about where you went. Um, but, like, not something that the Spanish would, you know what I mean? Like, we don't want the Spanish to roll up and know where you went. So it was like, leave, like, a secret message, basically. Yeah. And then John White left with the fleet on August 27th of 1587, leaving behind about 115 colonists and one pinnace, which was a small ship. Little did John White know at the time that the little conflict between the English and the Spanish had escalated into basically a full-blown war. And by the time he got back to England in November, Queen Elizabeth had prohibited any able ship from leaving England because the Spanish Armada was mobilizing an attack on England. Oh, no. Grenville and White were like, we got to go back to Roanoke. But their plans kept getting foiled because the English were at war with the Spanish. And so nobody could, like, get them a boat to go. Two of the smaller ships in Grenville's fleet... Well, and also, I should say, any boat that, like, belonged to an English person was essentially contracted to be involved in this conflict. And so that's why they couldn't, like, get a boat. But there were two small ships in Grenville's fleet um, called the Brave and the Row, and they were deemed unsuitable for combat. So the Crown was like, okay, you can take these two back to Roanoke. The ships departed what from... makes a ship unsuitable for combat, but suitable to go across an ocean? I imagine that it has something to do with being able to, like, carry enough weapons and things. Mm, okay, that makes sense. The ships departed on April 22nd, 1588. But the captains of the ships got distracted trying to pirate Spanish ships on the outward bound voyage to improve their profits. And on May 6th, they were attacked by French pirates... 
Nearly two dozen of the crew were killed, and the supplies that were supposed to go to Roanoke were looted. So the ships had to go back to England. Um, so that plan got foiled. England banned shipping at this point so that they could focus on building a counter armada, and John White didn't get permission to make another resupply attempt until 1590. Wait. They had left That's in <laughs> August of 1587. Oh, my God. And also his daughter is there with his granddaughter. That's nanas. Like, it was, like, personal for John White. Um... You shouldn't have fucking attacked that village the second you got there. On August 12th, 1590, John White arrived on the East Coast with two ships, Hopewell and Moonlight, and they anchored at Croatoan Island. On August 15th, they saw plumes of smoke coming from Roanoke. The landing party spent the next two days attempting to cross the Sound, uh, but they had a very difficult time doing it. Multiple people died. And on August 17th, they finally got close enough to Roanoke. They saw a fire on the north end of the island. And they rode towards it. But by the time they got there, it was night. And they didn't want to risk going ashore. So they spent the night in their anchored boats singing English songs in hopes that the colonists would hear them. Oh, that's... If that was an isolated incident, that it would be, be sad. Yeah. White and the landing party made landfall on the morning of August 18th, which was his granddaughter's third birthday. They found fresh tracks in the sand, but no people. They discovered the letters CRO carved into a tree. When they got to the colony, they found Croatoan carved in one of the fence posts. John White was like, oh. They must have gone to Croatoan. Otherwise, they would have left a cross because that was the code. Like, if they left under duress, they were supposed to leave a cross. The search party found that the houses had been dismantled. Anything that could be carried had been removed. John White had left behind three trunks of his belongings, and he had asked them to bury them if they left. Um, he found that they had been buried, but then they had since been dug up and looted. And none of the colony's boats could be found along the shore. John White was like, okay, we'll go to Croatoan tomorrow. Um, but that night, Hopewell's anchor cable snapped. And they couldn't continue the search because too, it was too dangerous. Without an anchor, they were like 100% sure they were going to shipwreck. So the moonlight was like, okay, bye, I'm going back to England. <laughs> and John White was like, dudes, we got to find my family. And the crew of the Hopewell was like, listen, compromise. We're going to go spend the winter privateering in the Caribbean, but we'll come back in the spring of next year and you can continue to look for your family. Oh, to spend your winters privateering in the Caribbean. <laughs> exactly. So they went to the Caribbean, um, but that plan fell through because the Hopewell got blown off course and they were like, okay, well, we're going to have to stop for supplies in the Azores Islands, which are like in the middle of the Atlantic. But the weather was so bad that they couldn't land. So they had to just go all the way back to England. No. John White returned to Plymouth, England 
on October 24th of 1590. He never saw his family again. From the internet, the loss of the colony was a personal tragedy for White, from which he never fully recovered. He would never return to the New World, and in a letter, he wrote that he might hand over the fate of the colonists and his family, quote, to the merciful help of the Almighty, whom I most humbly beseech to help and comfort them. Sir Walter Raleigh was like, this is fine. Because as long as you can't prove they're dead, I still maintain a claim to the land. What a real... Real stand-up guy. Real piece of work, this Raleigh. In 1595, five years later, he was like, okay, everyone, I'm going to look for the colonists. But that was actually a lie because he was actually going in search of El Dorado. No! Yes, he he went, he basically funded a trip to the Americas under the pretense of going to find the colonists but he actually went to search for El Dorado. And on his way back, he sailed by the Outer Banks and was like, ooh, bad weather, can't stop, ta-ta. Um, <laughs> tried my best. In 1602, wow. he was like, okay, we are definitely resuming the search for those colonists. <laughs> what, did he go looking for the Fountain of Youth? Close. He was like, listen, I'm super serial about this. I'm going to actually pay the sailors wages so that they don't get distracted by privateering. Because apparently they weren't doing that before. (laughs) He was like, I'm going to pay the guys. I promise. Um, But according to the ship manifests, the actual goal of the mission was to harvest sassafras because the price of sassafras had gone way up. Um, Sassafras and sarsaparilla are the root in root beer. And at the time, it was believed to be a miracle cure for smallpox and syphilis. And so it became incredibly expensive because everyone was a pirate and everyone had syphilis and they were tired of sticking mercury into their genitals, Mm. which you may remember from the Blackbeard episode. I remember that for sure. Because the way that they knew that the Blackbeard ship was Blackbeard ship was because it had a giant syringe on it. Um. (laughs) What a legacy. Correct. In 1603, Raleigh was implicated in what has become known as the main plot, which was a thro- uh, which was a plot to overthrow King James. Um, it's not the November 5th uh, gunpowder treason one. Um, it's, it's another one. And uh, yes. he was arrested for treason, and that effectively ended his Virginia charter. So Raleigh is now out of the fight. In 1607, which is, what, now 20, is it 20? Because they, what was it, 1587? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 20 years later, John Smith. Oh, God. He was captured by the Powhatan and met with their leader. And through his conversations with the Powhatan, he learned that there were villages where men wore European-style dress, including one called... Oka Nahonan, and he arranged to investigate these villages, and his colony created a map of the region, and on that map, there is a note that says, here remaineth four men clothed that came from Runukok to Okanahawan, <gasps> which seems like it's an indication that there were four men <laughs> living there who came from Roanoke. Yeah. 
That feels pretty clear. Feels pretty clear. In 1672, the inlet between Hatterask and the Croatoan Islands closed, and the resulting landmass became known as Hatteras Island. During John Lawson's 1701 to 1709 exploration of Northern Carolina, he visited he visited Hatteras Island and he encountered the Hatteras people and he was the first historian to like go to the region since John White had left in 1590 and he reported that when he met with the Hatteras people they claimed that several of their ancestors had been white and some of the people he met had gray eyes. Whoa. Lawson theorized that the members of the 1587 Roanoke colony had assimilated into that community after the English didn't come back for 20 years. From 1937 to 1941, a series of inscribed stones were discovered that were claimed to have been written by Eleanor Dare, the woman who gave birth to... Virginia the Dare. only baby that matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only baby that matters. But most historians believe that they're fakes. Um, because oh. that oh. was also the era when like people were just burying all kinds of shit and being like, it's giants' bones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? were yeah. people doing that specifically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a real thing. Were they buried stuff and said it was giants' bones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're gonna need a sidebar about this later. I just I'm so curious. We should do maybe like a relaxed fit about that. But like there was yeah, there were these guys that made like they made like giants bones and buried them. <clears throat> and they passed them off for like a long time. Listen, that's no different than what Joseph Smith did. Correct. That's so funny you said that because I literally had the exact the exact same thought. But I did read that some people think that maybe the first one was real because it was like significantly different from the other ones. But really, mm. like, the jury's out. And it didn't, they didn't contain, like, any information that was actually helpful, I guess. Theories. There were no graves found at Roanoke. And there were barely any bones found when John White went there. There were, like, the bones of, like, one guy. Um, which suggests that everyone left alive. If you believe the reportage of that search party. <laughs> Because one theory is that maybe they did find a bunch of corpses and they reported that back. And Sir Walter Raleigh and Queen Elizabeth, who had a vested interest in making sure people were still going to go to the Americas to colonize for them, were like, what? They were gone. So weird. Still beautiful. You should go. Full of gold. I'm sure those guys are fine. They're totally fine. So that's one theory is that they did find a bunch of dead colonists and they just had to like sell it like they didn't. That is so interesting. I have never considered that before because of the horrifying version of inaccurate history that we were taught. Oh, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. This might be a good time to talk about it. Like, it's just so wild to me the way that we were taught history like in school Uh, It's just like (laughs) our education system is just like so fucked up because they teach you that like the colonists were like very capable, very well-meaning people who were coming here because they wanted like freedom and like to live these like noble values. And they were they were actually like 
super assholes. <laughs> With, the most incompetent assholes that I have learned about on this podcast, minus m- the police. With with bad intentions. With very bad intentions. They were there to pirate. Right. And then they showed up and were just even worse than they intended to be. Yeah. Yeah. So Walter Raleigh needed people to go to the Americas to stake land claims for him. And so they easily could have covered up the discovery of dead colonists to help sell people on going to like Jamestown, you know? Yeah. Another theory. Solid, solid theory. Solid theory. Another theory is that the colonists went to relocate in the Chesapeake Bay and assimilated into the communities there. The prevailing theory is that the colonists assimilated into tribes in the Roanoke area, um, and the present-day Roanoke Hatteras tribe identifies as descendants of both the Croatan people and the lost colonists. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't either. That's kind of cool. I like it. Another theory is that the colonists could have tried to rescue themselves by sailing to England in the pinnace that they had, like the boat that they had. Um, And if they did that, that it probably got lost at sea, which would explain why there was no boat when John White came back and why there was no colonists. Also, wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, for sure would not put them past. Put. (sighs) Wouldn't put them past it. Yeah. We got there. It was the wrong place, but we're here. We, yeah, we go. Like, as you, would, as you say, we took the scenic route. Another possibility is that they could have been captured by Spanish pirates. But Spanish intelligence from the era doesn't indicate that they actually knew where they were. They just knew they were around there somewhere. And then there's the map. In November of 2011, researchers at the First Colony Foundation noticed two corrective patches on White's 1585 map. La Virginia Pars. The British Museum examined the map using a light table and discovered that one of the patches, which was placed at the confluence of the Roanoke and Choan rivers, covered a symbol (gasps) shaped like a star that was believed to represent a fort. The fort would have been about 50 miles inland from Roanoke. In 2012, a team went to excavate the area where the fort was marked They named the site Site X, as in X marks the spot, because scientists are nerds, just like us. Scientists, they're just like us. Um, The problem is that the marking on the map isn't to scale, and it covers, like, thousands of acres. So it's a little bit like finding a needle in a haystack. In a report from October of 2017, the First Colony Foundation reported finding fragments of Tudor pottery and weapons at Site X, and concluded that these indicate that a small group of colonists resided peacefully in the area for a period of time. The problem is it's impossible to tell if they came from Ralph Lane's uh, colony or from John White's lost colony, or if they came from a trading post that was established there in the 1650s. But in 2019... (gasps) not too far away, at a site labeled Site Y. More artifacts were discovered, including ceramic sherds that archaeologists determined were Elizabethan artifacts used during the Roanoke colonist period. Oh my god. Based on the findings, they determined that a small number of colonists 
perhaps an extended family, resided there for a few years. They said, we know because of the amount of material found at the site. It's not a major relocation site, but a satellite site. They determined that the artifacts did not come from the trading post and were not the result of trading with indigenous people. Genetic researchers have been trying to use DNA to solve this mystery since 2005, but they have been unable to identify potential descendants of the colonists, and there are no extant bones or anything that contains genetic material to use as a comparison point yet. Oh, that's so frustrating. I know. And that is the mystery of the lost colony of Roanoke. Oh, oh my God. Wild. The, the mystery is less what happened to them and more why are they like that? <laughs> it's less what happened to them and more like what happened to them? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like. Like, I'm more intrigued by the atrocious behavior. I don't have a mind for military, I, but it just, like, blows my mind that everyone was being so sneaky. I know. I didn't realize there was, like, whole subterfuge going on. I know. This is what really got me when I dug into this mystery. Don't I feel like, and maybe this is just my experience, but I feel like when you learn about the lost colony of Roanoke in a traditional educational setting, they're like, there was a whole colony and everyone vanished and all that was left was a mysterious message on a tree and no one knows what it means. Yes, and, and that's not the case. I'm like, oh, no, they left them there for like 10 years. <laughs> yeah. They came back. They were like, where'd everybody go? There was a message on a tree that's not like some indecipherable word. It's the name it's of a place. It's the name of a place nearby. Nearby. And I also didn't know that they had, like, a code. Like, if we're under duress, we're going to leave. We'll, we'll carve a Christian cross into the tree so that you know. Yeah. And, and they were like, one. tell us where you're going. Like, it was a very yeah. reasonable, like. And that they had literally, they were planning to relocate, like, 50 yeah. miles away before he left. Yeah. And also that they came back and then they didn't look for them. No. Oh, absolutely not. Nobody looked for them. Nobody tried. Not for lack of trying on John White's part because he was like, okay, can we go? And they were like, ooh, actually, we have a lot of privateering to do and it's getting late, but yeah, we okay, will come back true. in six months. And then they didn't. So, like, he, he almost tried. But, like, point being, they went to Roanoke, but they didn't even go. They never even got to Croatoan. No, I'm going to rebrand this. Let's reframe it. It's yeah. not the lost colony of Roanoke. It's just people moved and their friends didn't ask for their new address. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because, like, just a reminder, they got there. It said Croatoan on the tree. They were like, we'll go tomorrow. And then their anchor cable snapped and they were like, we got to go home. Yeah. And then they just never went back. It's like if you showed up at my old apartment and I left a note that said, like, move to North Hollywood. And then you were like, well, I guess she's lost. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They like yeah, they really were not that lost, frankly. And they weren't. They were. They moved. Yeah, correct. The moved colony of Roanoke. <laughs> <laughs> they should call it that. They just moved. I think the most reasonable thing, the most reasonable conclusion is that they moved. They assimilated into a like another group of people. Yeah. 
Yeah. They moved and it was like probably mostly fine. Yeah. (laughs) That's the story. Yeah. Thank you for finally doing Roanoke. Yeah. Listen, thank you for listening. It was everything I wanted it to be, but didn't know that I wanted it to be. Good. I hope everyone enjoyed it. History can be fun. Absolutely loved that. (laughs) (laughs) That was a blast. A roller coaster. (sighs) A blast and a half. Any questions, (laughs) comments, concerns? I have a lot of concerns. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Um, Guys, we have another episode in two weeks that Kayla will be doing. I'm so excited. And then in December, we have a big one coming. We're going to be doing a a series in December. And I'm so excited. So stay tuned. I'm so excited. We're slowly making our way through our correspondence, catching up on our correspondence. Um... (laughs) But please keep sending us emails and DMs because we do love to hear from you. I think that's it. Yeah, that's all I have. I think we did it. I think we did it. Thank you for listening. We don't know. Stay in your lane. Buckle the buck up. Lost and then found and then lost again smooches. (laughs) Good night. Good night. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.